Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello listeners, Tim Sylvie here. Before we introduce today's guest, I need to head through the airwaves to bring in a woman who's no stranger to Formula One. She works at F1 Arcade in London and is a rapidly growing motorsport content creator with a burgeoning following. She's part of the WTF1 talent roster, which is a new business unit I've recently set up with the lovely folks over at The Race, managing the careers of influencers, broadcasters, gamers and creators in Formula One and Formula E. Delighted to have her here co-hosting the show Ellie Prophet how are you I'm very good thank you how are you doing Tim I'm not too bad um how does it feel to be co-hosting the Motormouth podcast clearly a highlight of your career so far <laughs> definitely it's been such a busy month I'm sure you'll both agree in the world of motorsport it's literally all been going on um yesterday I went to um, the MTC so coming off the back of that visit I think that's probably a highlight of the years so far but no yeah happy to be here thanks for having me on pleasure and yes the mtc does trump this podcast so i'll give you that one um (laughs) shall i introduce today's guest perfect yes let's get underway so today we're joined by Dan Drury, although you might know him better as Engine Mode 11. Dan worked at Red Bull Racing for six years from 2016 to 2022 as a senior IT systems engineer, which means he was the man at the forefront of the tech solutions at the Red Bull factory, trackside, and with the team's technical partners to deliver performance to the car. He's now absolutely smashing it alongside a friend of ours, Blake Hinsey, on the Engine Breaking podcast, and he's taking F1 social media by storm. We're here to learn about his life, career, thoughts and opinions. Dan, a very warm welcome to the Motormouth podcast. How are you? Before we get any deeper into today's show, a very quick interruption. Thanks to a chance encounter at a recent motorsport event, we've got a new show sponsor. And it's something or someone that's a little bit different. Paul Oz has joined us for this season of the podcast and we couldn't be happier. We've been huge fans of Paul since first meeting him at the Spanish Grand Prix in 2018. And I'd encourage all of you to go and check out his amazing work, especially, of course, his Formula One art and sculptures. Paul's created some of the most iconic and important pieces of our time, inspired by racing history 
And he's partnered with the likes of McLaren Sky, the Senna Louder and Hunt families, and loads more. Head over to pauloz.com to learn all about his work and make sure to stay tuned to this show for your chance to win an original Paul Oz painting in the coming weeks. Amazing! As many of you will know, sponsors and partners are absolutely vital to our continued growth. And without them, it's pretty much impossible to keep making content that you want to listen to and hopefully enjoy. We can't thank Paul enough for agreeing to join us and we look forward to loads of fun with him over the course of this season. I am living the dream, thank you very much. And uh, you, you big yourself up, Tim, mate. This is much better than the MTC, mate. Well, I don't know, that's kind. Pipe yourself up, have some faith. I have no faith, but thank you, appreciate appreciate the sentiment. Uh, Dan, you're, you're not far from me. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Hitchin Way, a little village just outside, outside Hitchin, um, Hertfordshire um, area. You're born and bred Stevenage, the, the home, of course, of Lewis Hamilton. Are you still in the area? Yes, mate. Yeah, like you say, born and bred Stevenage. Uh, Lewis was the year above me at school. Oh, um, and that's about as far as our circles uh, entwined. I'm afraid. So, so yeah. So L- Lewis Hamilton, basically a multi-millionaire Formula One driver. Dan, hanging out in Stevenage. Yeah, in you know, in my old converted coal shed. Who's who's got the better end of the deal here? <laughs> Oh, I like it. I like it. But one one quick question before we get into everything. What what is engine mode eleven? <laughs> uh, a midlife crisis. <laughs> so, engine engine. Well, in in terms of me, it's a, it's a midlife crisis. So, yeah. engine mode eleven uh, was actually an engine mode that was used on the car in. That's where I get my dates mixed up. I think it was it the twenty eighteen Austrian Grand Prix when Max won, and I think that was the first win with Honda. Okay. If, if if my dates are right, it was the first win with Honda. I think it was 2018. I can't remember now. But he was told to put it into engine mode 11, which is basically, if it blows up, it blows up. Go for it. Nice. And uh, it sort of became a bit of a, a meme around the factory, and then I, I needed a Twitter handle, so I was like, right, engine mode 11 it is. And it sort of grew. I just joined Twitter to just talk rubbish really and uh, it grew and grew and it got the attention of Honda Racing in Japan and they sent me a shirt over with uh, a diagram of the uh, Honda PU and engine mode 11 written on top of it and I thought that was quite cool. Oh, it's nice of them. Yeah, and then they left F1 so I don't know (laughs) if that's related or what. (laughs) Short and sweet relationship. Um, so Dan, take us back kind of a few years before we talk about what you're up to now. Did you go to uni? What sort of like your background and how did you get into motorsport and everything? Yeah, so I, I championed myself as probably one of the biggest frauds in motorsport. In that okay. I dropped out of college. I never went to university and I didn't even want to get into motorsport. Well, I didn't see myself getting into motorsport, right? I was one of those stereotypical 17-year-olds hanging around in a McDonald's car park late at night in a car that sounded like a uh, angry bee in a can. <laughs> and uh, I ended up working in finance. I, this is completely unrelated to F1. I ended up into investment banking in London, of all things. Very nice. Um, and sort of built my skill set up in investment banking and then just randomly got a phone call one day. Uh, from an agency representing Red Bull. And they were like, oh, 
Fancy working in F1? And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. That's interesting though, because one of my questions was going to be, where did you study at university? Because you, you kind, I kind of assumed that going into a profession like yours would require a degree. So there is hope mm. out there for all, for all of us. I mean, I, I was I yeah. dropped out of uni early, um, but clearly to do what you do, having a degree is is no longer or isn't a prerequisite. No, no, it's not. And I, I try to as much as I joke about it, use it as a message of positivity because uh, for some people, like the, the whole education system just doesn't work for them. Like for me, sitting around in a classroom listening to lectures, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. It just, it didn't, I didn't gel with it. I needed to do things to learn them. So by learning in the industry and then sidestepping into F1 was perfect for me. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, you'll see on a lot of the job postings, they'll say you need a university degree. Apply anyway. Yeah. Experience yeah. always trumps a degree. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things that should really come off all um, job specs, unless it's like, you know, a vet or something where clearly you need some form of qualification to put your hand up the back end of a cow. But but generally speaking, I think, you know, the world should be inclusive. The workplace should be an inclusive place and not, and not uh, punish people for not going to university. But you did get the job in Formula One. And I remember the first time I went to an F1 factory, not for work well, employment purposes, but I remember feeling intimidated by the building and crossing that line into this, this sort of um, closed world. How, do you remember the feelings you had when you first stepped foot inside the factory, whether that was for interview or, or your first day? Yeah, my interview, so my, my interview was with a chap who's, who's no longer at the company. He left and he was so laid back and chilled out about it. I almost felt like this was I expected someone to come out of a cupboard with a camera and sort of say you've been framed or something it was it was so surreal he just walked me around the factory for my interview and was like oh that's um Danny Kvyat's car because it was the couple of weekends after a couple of weeks sorry after the Japanese 2015 Grand Prix when Danny Kvyat rolled his car in practice yeah and he was just we just calmly walked past it and it was there was still dirt coming out of it, you know. And it was just oh yeah, that's Dan Danny Kivyet's car sort of thing. And we just sort of stood around it for about ten minutes, just looking at it, talking. And then he was like, Right, cool. So uh come back in next week for a second interview. And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> okay, fine. You know, it was it was really weird. And I was just sort of left feeling more confused than uh, anything else. But uh <laughs> Yeah, they're always yeah. the best to have though the casual interviews they must have just kind of gelled with you I guess in terms of the role itself can you give us a bit more of an idea of what that kind of entailed yeah so it was a uh, senior systems engineer which is like the glorified way basically mm -hmm. of saying uh, the IT guy as I like to call it giving the <laughs> wi-fi password to uh, Jos Verstappen every year even though it hadn't changed um that was my favourite. Glamorous. <laughs> uh, but basically anything that was uh, network related. So I specialised in, in computer networking. And of course in F1, everything has to talk to everything. So I was responsible for architecting, designing and implementing solutions that would um, deal with all the traffic flows, telemetry flows from the track to the factory, to the FIA, the wind tunnel, basically any part of it I was involved in. I was here's, here's a random fact as well for you. I think there was only five people 
based on the MK campus that had biometric fingerprint access to every part of the building. Uh, one of them, two of them were Adrian and um, Christian, and then uh, I was one of the others oh, as well. So, access all areas, VIP. Yeah, but any I got to look at and mess around with everything. That's awesome. Basically. And and presumably you were traveling to. Was this a this is a trackside role? Were you traveling to all the races, or were you generally at the factory at Mission Control? Bit of both. Right. Um. I didn't. I didn't need to be at the track. Uh. But if we had a new system, or the FIA were trying to test a new system, um, a lot of the time they would be like, "Dang, can you come out and and just give us some backup on site?" Yeah, because it's a lot easier for me to be there rather than them trying to call me at yeah three a.m. UK time. Yeah, that's not appreciated. And and did you? Uh, how did you find that traveling part of the job? I mean, I remember when I used to, when I started out in Formula One two thousand and five. I went to pretty well near enough every race for a good five or six years, and it honestly nearly broke me. While, while it was really good fun, I couldn't have a relationship. I couldn't have a life. Um, I, I was living out of a suitcase eight nine months a year, and I was broken by by the end of five years or so how how do you cope with that from a mental perspective um so like mentally i i don't think i have ever been as drained as what i was after a few years in f1 um and like you say i was lucky i had a very understanding wife very supportive wife she was like look go for it you know do it um but then obviously kids arrive and, you know, and uh, so I missed like sports days, Christmas plays, things like that. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I actually, you know, my third child came along. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm quite happy. Six years is enough. And a lot of nearly all the staff that are trackside will tell you a similar story. As soon as children come along, it completely changes your mindset and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. So they either leave the industry completely or they will move into a factory-based role. Um, but for me, I, I wanted a complete clean break. I was like, nah, come on, let's do something different. So. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because especially when you're trying to get into F1, like from my perspective, you see it as such a glamorous thing and then you talk to people in the industry, engineers, mechanics, etc., and they kind of say to you, like, it's not always the glamorous side that you see they obviously get sick of the traveling like you said relationships and everything it's hard to to kind of you know develop and everything when you're so busy do you think fans have that understanding of what it's like to actually work in the world of f1 no i don't i don't think they do um and it's this is one of my problems with dts i think um yeah it was too dramatized i would much rather have liked to have seen more behind the like scenes war. yeah yeah like so uh, one of the one of the, the tales that i i repeat quite often is when you have a triple header there will be guys that will basically be away from their home for an entire month so the way it works when you set up trackside you arrive tuesday the tuesday sort of morning afternoon then you have to build the garage you have to unload all the freight you have to um you know, the car gets unloaded, then you've got to build the car, test fire up. So it's like Tuesday until Sunday night. And then guess what? Monday you're on the flight to the next event. So you could be away for like a month, which if you're young, free and single, great, go for it. Good luck to you. But if you do have 
these commitments of family and, and whatnot is, is tough. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's not easy. And it, it's, I think it's good to have these conversations to make people realize that it's not, not all glitz and glamour. It's not all the Monaco yacht parties and so on. It's uh, it's hard graft. Now, now you arrived at Red Bull shortly before Max Verstappen, just a few months, I believe. He joined in 2016 as well. Uh, Danny Rick was there. What was the vibe inside the team like at that point? Max is coming in, the young pretender. Danny Ricciardo, you know, doing a solid job. What what were things like? How would you describe the atmosphere within the team when Max showed up? I think it was, everyone was very excited. So you 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 hear stories, right? And, and everyone was like, oh, no, Max has, Max has been on the simulator. He's quicker than anyone we've had on it for, for ages, you know? And it's like, oh, you know, is this guy sort of legit sort of thing? And then the the internal hype <laughs> sort of starts building up and you're like, oh, is this, you know, what's this guy going to be like? like oh, they're going to put, they're going to put Max in Daniel's seat. Like, can you believe it? First race wins. And he's just like, wow. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so it was exciting. <laughs> I think, you know, let's use that word. Um, obviously felt sorry for Kvyat because he was a lovely guy. Um, it just didn't work out for him which unfortunately is a common tale with uh, Red Bull seats at the moment I guess going up against Max you know they've had the hardest comparison really puts them in the spotlight when you've got Max as your teammate from your point of view you were there right at the beginning when he joined what's your take now like why is he absolutely miles above the rest of everyone else in the field so Max and this is something I've spoken to Blake about funnily enough because obviously Blake did some performance engineering for him and we we came to sort of the joint agreement and conclusion that Max it could be the first lap of FP1 but he'll be out there banging it off the curbs and off the apexes he'll give you 100% mm-hmm. from lap one even in a practice session whereas other drivers will build into their weekend Max he's almost already at 100% and it's just like for example I think we saw it at Spa didn't we he took an entire second on his out lap or something out of Checo and it's just like it's anyone would look average yeah. beside Max but what what does this do for someone like Checo though because he he's a solid driver you know he's he's the tyre whisperer he's he's quick but he's getting absolutely mullered Is, what's this doing for his reputation in Formula 1 and his future well, that's the other thing as well, right? Anyone that goes alongside Max tends to uh, end up almost having like a negative result out of it. You know, like Danny Rick, everyone's like, oh, Danny Rick, he's no good. Look, he's running away from a fight. Um, and then you see the same now with like sort of Checo. It's like Checo's a great driver. All right. Granted, he's had some uh, qualifying issues recently, but I think that is a result of being Max's teammate. And I think... It's sort of similar to what we saw with Gasly. Once you lose your sort of self-confidence or lose your head a little bit, you lose the car. Yeah. And we've seen that a little bit with Checo. He's, he's, Spa wasn't too bad, you know, he's coming on the up. Um, but anyway, I just, I feel for Checo and I feel for anyone in that second seat, basically, is what you can sum it up as. Is, is there anyone that you think could compete with him I mean you know we, we look at the likes of Lewis and Fernando and you know those guys that have been there done it multiple world champions but it, it, even if you put some one of those against Max in equal machinery what would happen I think if you put Max and Lewis together 
I think A, the internet would implode. Um, which I'm almost here for, actually. I, I want that just because I'm an agent of chaos. I would like to see that. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, am I going to upset all the Lewis Hamilton fans now? I think Max would have the edge over Lewis. Um, and I'm trying to think, who else is on the grid currently that I think could give a good... What about Fernando in his heyday? In, in Fernando's heyday, then yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But like in terms of now, here and now, Lewis... Mm. I don't. I don't think Charles is. I'm not sure if Charles could. I think there might, you know, be a little bit too many mistakes creeping. Um, I don't know, but I tell you who I have got my eye on, and that's Piastri. Yes, it's been a long Andy. time, and we tried to figure this out the other day. We were trying to think of other rookies in their debut season who have impressed as much as him, and people were going yeah. back to like Max and Lewis and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been very impressive. I, I'm with you there. He's he's got serious potential, serious pace, and and if nothing else, it's just lovely to see McLaren, hopefully starting to get back up there again, isn't it? Because it's been a pretty horrible few years for them. Yeah, you know, it's good to see that. And Williams as well, actually. I'll, I will shout out Williams. Um, their rebuild seems to be going in the right direction. Another short interruption to remind you to check out PaulOz.com the man behind some incredible pieces, including two stunning bronze statues of the late great Ayrton Senna, which he made working with the most prestigious bronze foundry on the planet. But he does way more than just sculptures. Oh yes, his canvas artwork has been showcased all around the world at F1 races, galleries, and in private collections. If you'd like to speak to Paul about a project, please, please do reach out to us directly and we'll put you in touch. You might even benefit from a tidy little Motormouth discount. Right, back to the show. Now, we have to ask you about the uh, the 20, 2021 season where it all came to a head with the final lap, lap 53, the overtaking Abu Dhabi. Putting aside any oh, potential... What you mean. Uh, no idea. Putting aside any any favourable angles towards Red Bull, you know, whether or not you harbour those still as he takes a sip of his Red Bull drink. How do, how do you... Lewis Hamilton edition as well. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton edition as well, just for the ultra, you know... How how do you look at that that incident? D- did the right man win? So every time people ask me this question, I always seem to give a different answer because I think it, it depends on what mood I'm in in the day. And as time goes on, your opinion changes. So I will answer it as I think it's very unfair that Max's first title, it has all that controversy around it. I think Max deserved more, but then I also think Lewis deserved an eighth. I don't think either driver did anything wrong. I don't think people can blame Max for the way it ended. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't Lewis's fault. It was obviously, you know, a breakdown in communication and all that. So I just think it's a shame just how it ended really I think both drivers deserved better and us as fans as well because the 2021 season was great even working in it I was stressed out the entire time but it was fantastic to to fight all the way to the end it was brilliant and I think we deserved a better ending than what we got that's my political answer anyway there you go diplomatically put thank you but as someone that got a performance bonus out of it good on you Max well done mate there you go (laughs) 
<laughs> Speaking of uh, titles and records and things like that, Max looks obviously well on his way to win again this year, the driver's title. In terms of his like long-term, I guess, outlook in Formula One, we've had drivers like Nico that have gone after winning one whilst they're kind of at their prime. How do you see his like trajectory going? Do we think, you know, how many is he going to go on to win? Yeah, so I th- it's, a, it's a bit of an odd answer, but I think the more he wins, the quicker he's going to leave. If if he now, obviously he's, gonna, uh, he's won this year, let's be honest. If he wins the next two years and they're as easy as this year, I think he's just going to get bored and just think, you know what, I'm going to go do something else. If he has to fight for them a lot more and it's dragged out over a couple of seasons I think he'll stay longer because obviously he'll be like no I want to get the next one now it's it's he's almost gonna be like a mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To his own success, I think. If he just wins all of these really easily, he's just going to be like, no, I'm bored of this now. Do you think, though, he'll do it if, if he does stay and it does get competitive for him and he, he you know, Red Bull continues to have a a strong enough car. Presumably he'll stay with Red Bull for a long, long time. Do you ever see him leaving the Red Bull family? I, I no, is the quick answer. Um, the only way he, he leaves the Red Bull family is if someone buys out Red Bull and changes the, the uh, name above the factory door, I think, is the only way I can see that happening. Um, obviously, Red Bull put a lot of faith into him coming through his junior career and whatnot. Um, and he has a lot of faith in Red Bull. It's you know it's a good partnership. I don't I don't see why in its current form he would ever entertain leaving it. Um, in terms of Max as a person, then obviously he's quite a controversial character in um, in Formula One. What's he like as a person? Have you worked closely with him? What yeah? What's your kind of take on him outside the car and as yeah as a personality? Yeah. So my role, I didn't have any sort of like direct uh, workings with him. But obviously you know, you, you come across each other and things like that. So Max is Dutch, right? And what I mean by that is, is that he's very blunt and very direct. And in a lot of other places around the world, people don't understand that. People don't get it. You know, so for example, <laughs> I was going to a karting event and uh, I said, Max, you know, I'm going to a karting event. Have you got any tips? And he just looked at me and went, yeah, lose weight. <laughs> Which if any if anyone else would have said that, or whatever, you'd be like, oh, that's that's really rude. But he, but he meant it like genuinely. He was like, no, 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 the best thing you can do is lose weight. You know, he wasn't being rude about it. It's just that blunt and directness. And he was right, of course. 
Um, but yeah, he just it's very <laughs> he's so blunt and and Dutch about it that it doesn't translate well in the media and, and in text form and things like that. Um, but but outside the car, he's in, he's very nice. He's very approachable. He's down to earth he's not arrogant he doesn't walk around the sort of like don't talk to me sort of thing he's he is one of the boys yeah we had um we had albon on here a little while ago and he he said similar things and and that max is actually a very laid-back character when he's not behind the wheel extremely yeah. chilled you know even going into qualifying and practice sessions he would be completely relaxed um dan i'm keen to get your take on a couple of elements of formula one that obviously not everyone agrees with things like drs for example and we, we asked blake about this one as well what, what what's your opinion on on the sort of um the, the things that are put in play to formula one to add to the spectacle to, to make it more exciting drs being one of them uh, are you a fan do you love it or do you loathe it i i think it's what drs is one of those things now where i think we've had it for so long i'm so used to it i can't really imagine or remember a time without it I don't dislike it. I don't think, um, I don't know, I don't think DRS cheapens the sport in any way, but there are other aspects that they suggest that I think do. You know, so um, things like having caps on the amount of PU items you can use. This isn't an endurance series. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I get it from the sort of, coming from like the, all the green reusability sort of, uh, um, approach angle but it's formula one if they want to put an engine in for qualifying and blow it up after four laps let them bring back the days of that you know let WEC do all the long-term endurance stuff um and like the tires oh we've designed the tires that only last 30 laps and then they'll fall off Just, just build the best tires you can you know don't artificially put this weird cliff into it it's to manufacture it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's me being old man, rose-tinted sort of goggles about it all. But Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's like the aero packages, isn't it? I mean, it, the, the sort of, you know, the changes that were made to take all, off all the bits and bobs on top of the car, move the downforce to the bottom of the car. I mean, for me, that's that feels like quite a logical step. Do you think it's worked now that we've had it in play for a little while? Yeah, it's very easy to look at the new regs and say, well, Red Bull have won every single race this season. It hasn't worked. It has. They've just done a better job than anyone else. In terms of the cars not being disturbed by the amount of dirty air and things like that, because the the old barge boards, half the time they were designed just to basically screw any car that was following you. It was like, what what sort of benefits does this give our car? None. It's just to screw whoever's following us. We just want to make the air as turbulent as possible. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, um, but now, obviously, they've changed all that, and and you can follow closely. I think if you want to improve that, the tires are the next thing to work on, um, because their operating windows are so fine, and you can you could improve the tire performance by taking the weight out of the cars because they are so heavy now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What are they now? Because they, 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 it used to be something like 650 kilos with the driver, is that? So, yeah, I think we've ballooned to like 795 yeah. now, I think is what we're at at the minute, round about there. Um, people say, again, a complete tangent, here we go. People that moan about Monaco saying, oh, Monaco's boring and things like that. It is on a Sunday because the cars are so heavy, they can't really do anything. You'll have some excitement on the qualifying for Saturday and then the cars are too big and too heavy to do anything on the Sunday. So it's a procession. Um, 
Now, I appreciate a lot of the weight that's in them is safety related. Fair enough, I get that. Um, but they are definitely they are. You could bring the weight down for sure. Yeah, and modern day modern day Formula One cars are not built for the streets of Monaco. It's that, that just it doesn't work. I mean, they're enormous. I, well, I was at, um, uh, I think you were there as well, Ellie, weren't you? The Formula E at the weekend in London. Did you go? I didn't in the end. No, you didn't go. So the, I was I was there on Friday for shakedown, and the cars are tiny. Like they are little. And when they go around the, the streets of Monaco, you can see, I know they get overtaking anyway, but you can see why there's so much action around Monaco in a Formula E car. Formula One, uh, when you put them side by side with an FE car, it's, it's little and large, isn't it? A huge disparity. So in terms of, I guess, from your IT um, perspective, is there anything happening at the moment in regs or anything kind of in the future that has kind of got you excited that you've kept an eye on? So... The most exciting part, and I know some people could be like, exciting? I was like, yeah, no, it is exciting. Believe me, honestly, IT can be exciting. Um, as I tell my family every night. <laughs> um, so the CFD and the high-performance computing HPC, as we move on and get better and, and faster kit, the power available to you for CFD increases. So, you know, let's say, for example, we had a <clears throat> a data center of 30 racks, right? So a rack is, it's, it's basically a rack, right? So, so it's a large glorified cupboard with IT equipment in it. Now, to run a HPC environment, a few years ago, you would need like 30 of these things. And you need all the air con, the cooling, and the power that goes with it. So quite a beefy thing. Whereas only in, in the space of about five years, we can get that same amount of computing power out of only five of them. So the reduced footprint. Yeah, and then moving it to the cloud and things like that. You know, I know cloud's a bit of an old buzzword, but in F1, it's still quite a new thing, right? And seeing what cloud computing can offer in terms of CFD and HPC. They do have some good offerings, but F1, a lot of the teams are very sort of funny about having their data outside of the factory right so it's they've been a bit slow on the uptake of things like that um so seeing what they can do so you know you've got oracle splash down the side of the red bull they're a clouding computing provider um mclaren got google you know so it is starting to trickle into f1 now um but also ai and things like chat gpt everyone's you know, sort of heard of that, the new buzzword. Um, and seeing what AI can do in terms of strategies and things like that, you know, could you deploy an AI strategist that you could look at and say, well, here's what we think we should do. What does the computer think? And and sort of going through things like that. There, there's very rudimentary systems like that in place at the moment, but they have to be... Um, and it's, it's the problem with AI and chat GBT and things like that is they need very certain instructions and the slightest deviation can completely ruin the model and throw it off. So in F1, it's, it's weather, things like that. You, the slightest change in weather can completely ruin an AI model. And it's just like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. The track temperatures drop two degrees. I don't know what the hell to do now or a safety car that sort of comes out at a weird time. It's like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Um, as the technology improves obviously that will improve and it'll be interesting to see 
don't know, let's say in 10 years, will it be Hannah Schmitz sitting on the pit wall or will it just be a computer box? It's, it's definitely a thing. Incidentally, I used ChatGPT last night to write a story for my five-year-old's bedtime story. It's quite good. They wrote, they wrote, it, works. It, it does work. We, we, he, he just wanted a story, a new story about Sonic and Shadow, Shadow battling and ChatGPT nailed it. Wrote a really good story. Loved it. Um, but no, I think, I think it's, a, it's a fascinating subject and it's, it's moving at a rate of knots, a scary rate of knots in a way. Um, makes me wonder if um, if we've got all this alien chat that's going around at the moment with this declassified information around mm-hmm. aliens. This is this is where it's all come from. This is, we're we're speeding up our acceleration due to the aliens giving us their technology, us re- reverse engineering their technology. I don't know if you've seen this, Ellie, but they, they they've declassified um, all this alien information in the U.S. government, and it's all over TikTok. I'm I'm I've been pathetically watching it at, in the middle of the night. And um, it's actually really interesting. Basically, aliens exist. That's it. That's the, the, what I'm going with. Um, and we're taking yeah. their technology in there and it's finding its way into Formula One. Yeah, I've met yeah. I've met two of them. One of them is called Adrian Newey and the other one is called Max Verstappen. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely aliens. I mean, what? Well, there's no other explanation, is there? No. I mean, one, one with an oversized brain and one with an uncanny ability to steer a, a Formula One car, which is probably not dissimilar to steering a spaceship. So, you know, you do the math. We cracked it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say about strategy. We um we actually spoke to Lando's strategist yesterday after the race and I asked him like how many kind of eventualities they plan for when they go in with strategy and tires and everything like that. And you know, they'll plan out anywhere from like sort of mainly around five, but it can go up to like ten different options. But like you said, maybe they'll be out of a job in the future. Might not need a race strategist in person. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, there was a university study, again, because I'm quite interested in AI just in general and chat GBT and what it can do. And one of the questions I had was like, well, what can chat GBT do for race simulations and things like that? And there was a, a white paper from a university that they simulated it and, and tried to use it. And um, it did a pretty good job. Um, but like I say, it fell over when you try to introduce a bit of an unknown variable, which is where humans have still got the uh, edge. But yeah, yeah, one day. Yeah, I suppose it's it's a combination of having AI and digital information supported by human decision making, and then you've got yourself quite a good combination. Um, Dan, we've already kept you for nearly half an hour, so I'm going to speed through the last couple of bits before we come on to our, our final three questions. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on social media. Now you, you've you've seen tremendous growth on Twitter, and Twitter, as we all know, can be a bit of a cesspit um, at times, and um, some of the the um, Twitter mobocracy can be quite damaging. H- how have you found your? Uh, you've got nearly a hundred thousand, or just shy of a hundred thousand followers on Twitter now. H- how are you finding that sort of rise on the the Twitter F one landscape? Do do you enjoy it? Have you have you found it challenging at times? There was a period where i took everything very personally and i think you know it's only human right so um people could just send you the most bizarre craziest abuse or whatever and that would hang around me for the rest of the day and i'd be like this is completely ruined my day sort of thing um but i just don't care now i just if someone wants to abuse me great go for it crack on says more about you than it does me 
Um, so I have sort of become incredibly hardened by it. And uh, I'll tell you what else helps with that as well. Uh, having young children, because nothing can cut through you quite like a scathing <laughs> comment from a two-year-old. So uh, uh, that also helps. So true. Um, but it's, it's nothing, there's nothing more me than having explosive growth on a platform that I can't monetize <laughs> and then being completely useless at all the other platforms. They're, that sums up me perfectly. It's like, great, you've taken off on Twitter, but you can't do anything about it. Good job. Well done. Yeah. T- yeah. Well, it's not it, it's not Twitter anymore, is it? It's X or whatever. I'm oh, sorry, X. I'm so, con- yeah, I'm so yeah, confused. Yeah, of course, as well. Yeah. The platform that I'm doing the best on is the one that's currently imploding. <laughs> Thanks, Elon. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Elon, you bastard. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's uh, it's a sad state of affairs. I don't know what he's up to at the minute. Um, Dan, we're going to move on to our, our final three. Now, we asked these um, of all our guests, and they're brought to us by our current show sponsor, Mr. Paul Oz. And for those of you that haven't already done it, we're currently running a promotion, um, a giveaway on social. So head over to our Twitter, X, whatever it's called, um, Instagram, or wherever you can find us. We have a original Senna painting by Paul. He's an incredible artist and sculptor that's done various bits and pieces. He's just done the James Hunt sculpture, which is in the MTC. You may have seen it yesterday. It's, it's down there. And he does these beautiful paintings. He's done an original one for us, picture of Senna with his helmet on. It's worth about 1500 quid and we're giving it away through our socials. So go and check it out. You can enter in about 30 seconds, really quick. Um, Dan, you should go and enter. It's a wicked bit of artwork. Um, so these final three are brought to us by Paul Oz this week. Um, Ellie, let's come to you first to kick off. So Dan, we've talked a bit about F1 at the moment. What has got you really excited? What is kind of, you know, what are you excited for in the upcoming seasons and this season as well? Uh, it's probably going to be the complete opposite of what everyone else is excited about. And that's the Red Bull. So... <laughs> Obviously, they're winning every single race so far. And I understand from a viewer's perspective, that could be quite dull. However, as someone that has worked within F1, it is uh, incredibly exciting to see that hard work pay off and and just how far they can take it. Um, And I'd say the same about any team. I know it's easy for an ex-Red Bull employee to say, oh, Red Bull winning, good. Um, but to see that achievement of a team, and it's also easy. It's, oh, Adrian knew he designed a really good car. There's a thousand people that designed that car, and every single one of them deserve just the amount of praise that Adrian's getting. So, yeah, I'm, I want to see how far it can go, this streak, and, and see if he can clear the entire season. Yeah, well said. Um, second one for you. Um, how much do you put down of your success to luck and right place, right time? And how much do you put down to sheer hard work and graft? Uh, so I, I'd, I'd easily say nearly all of my life has been a, a continuation of lucky streaks, right? But my wife, who will be listening, will say, no, Daniel, no. It's the hard work that I put in studying out of hours you know when i had a full-time job at pc world when that was still a thing um and you know the long hours i put in at f1 and then traveling sacrificing like sports days and things like that so she would be a lot more kinder about it than i would have just said yeah "Yeah, i mean it obviously luck contributes i think from what i've heard from blake and others um and and now your wife i I would agree with everything that she says i think you don't get to a a position where you're you're you know 
holding a senior an important position in Formula One without a considerable amount of, of hard work and, and ability. Um, so I think you're probably doing yourself a disservice. So I'm going to say it for you that I think there's there's a huge amount of, of hard work on top of the uh, the luck. Um, and particularly, you know, the, on, on the social side and the, and the podcast that you're working on with Blake and all that stuff, it's it's going in a, in a, a seriously exciting direction. So long may it continue. Um, Ellie, you. over to you for the, the final question. Yes, coming away from F1 then, interesting last question for you. What are you scared of? Spiders. Easy. Spiders. Anything <laughs> with more than four legs is unnatural and shouldn't exist. <laughs> What about no legs, like, like like an eel? They're fine. I don't mind them because they can stay in the water. Well, some of them, I suppose some of them sort of come out. But yeah, no, spiders, because they just sit there and look at you and stare at you from a corner of a room. If I can see them, right, and, and they're chilling, don't mind that. It's when I'm sitting on the sofa and one massive one just comes out of nowhere and says hello. And I'm like, don't like that. I do not like that. Just sit still somewhere <laughs> in the corner and we can vibe. It'll be all right. We can vibe. Yeah. What about... What about though? Um, I don't. I don't know the technical term for them. I sound silly saying this. I wish I hadn't started now. But d- daddy long legs—is that what you call them? Yeah, I don't mind them. They just. Yeah, I don't like the way they fly. They're so stupid. They just crash and bang into everything. Chaotic. Yeah, yeah. but I have to. I'm not allowed yeah. to, you know, express my fear of spiders because uh, I live in a house with two young girls and my wife. And of course, when there's a spider. It's my job. So, you know, I've got to yeah. put my brave face on and uh, yeah. grab it or put it in a cup or whatever. Um, do you, so, do you yeah. grab it barehanded or do you go for the loo roll tactic or the cup with the paper underneath? Uh, <laughs> it depends how desperate the situation is. You know, I can get my hands dirty if I have to, mate. So, yeah. 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 You're a beast, really. It's the beard. Um, it, it is the beard. Ellie, what are you scared of? We've not had this conversation before. Me? What am I scared of? I guess moving away from like phobias and things like that, this is a bit more on the deeper side. (laughs) I always have been such a competitive person, even going back to school. And someone asked me this the other day, and I actually said, I'm scared of not succeeding. And I don't know what I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess, by that specifically, but just in everything, like in terms of career and everything like that, I always set such high goals for myself. Um, so yeah, I guess scared of not just making myself proud and working hard. I want to look back and kind of say that I put in all the effort I could into my career and everything like that. So yeah. No, I, I think you're, you're certainly not alone there. And, and actually, you know, we've asked this question to uh, well, over 160 odd people now, some of them or many of them racing drivers. And, and that is what most of the racing drivers say, that they, they are afraid of failure. Um, and, and that's what continues to drive them. I'm not sure that Max is one of those you'd put in that category. I guess it, he's one that would just be like, I don't care. You know, I'll, I'll race if I lose. So what? You know, I'll crack on. Just don't care um but um but dan listen it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you thank you so much for joining us all the best with the podcast with blake um with your uh, continuing growth on the, the channel that is called x or twitter or wherever whatever it is. it's going to be next week whatever it'll be next week and maybe he'll he'll find a way to monetize it properly and you can sail off into the sunset um but um pleasure having you on the show thanks so much for joining us on the motor mouth podcast thank you for having me it's been a pleasure 
I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to head to paulos.com and find him on all the usual social platforms to discover his incredible artwork. A massive thanks once again to Paul for joining us as a partner on the show. And as mentioned earlier, we'll be running a promotion with him to offer one lucky listener a special Paul Oz original. So keep an eye out for that on socials. More information coming really soon. For now, though, please continue to subscribe, review wherever you listen, and tell your friends to check out the Motormouth podcast. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MNTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.